At Total Wine & More, find the best gifts for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for sis or a single-barrel bourbon that dad will love. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. B21. Where can you find the best gifts at great low prices that everyone will love? At Total Wine & More, of course, with so many great bottles to choose from. Find something for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for your sis, sparkling wine for a coworker, or a single barrel bourbon for dad. And if you need any help, just ask one of their friendly guides for advice. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly, B21. I still make quite a number of these each year with my family, and we share them with family and friends and make sure that they're on our dessert table. Hi, and welcome to Play Me a Recipe. I'm Jillian Atkinson, a food photographer, stylist, and recipe developer. And today we're gonna make a batch of black cake cookies together from my little kitchen in Brooklyn. The recipe is linked in the show notes and on food52.com, but we'll be gathering all of our ingredients and equipment together. We'll be blitzing, melting, mixing, baking. We'll do all of it side by side. Feel free to pause or jump back using the podcast chapters if you need a little more time. Let's go through our equipment list before we get started making these cookies. In order to make these, we need a food processor, or a cutting board and a good knife. When I'm making black cake for my family, I am usually cutting at least three pounds of dried fruit with a cutting board and a knife. A cup and a half of fruit chopped is easy to do. It's pretty fast and it takes a little more time, but easy to do if you don't wanna use your food processor today. We need a pot with a lid, a microwave safe bowl, a set of measuring cups, spoons, and bowls, a silicone spatula, a wooden spoon, a microplane or a nutmeg grater, a hand mixer or a stand mixer. If you happen to have a stand mixer, feel free to use it. The dough is sticky and it might make your life a little bit easier. Lastly, we need two baking sheets, parchment paper, and a cooling rack. For these cookies, we'll start by making a fruit mixture, and for that we'll need one cup of black raisins, a half a cup of currants, a half a cup of pitted prunes, three quarters of a cup of port wine, either ruby or tawny, either is fine, two tablespoons of white rum. I'll be using Ray and Nephew, which is a staple in my Jamaican home, but you can use any white rum in your cabinet that you enjoy drinking. For the cookie dough, We'll use one and a half sticks of unsalted butter, one and one quarter cup of brown sugar, a half a cup of white sugar, two eggs, one tablespoon of burnt sugar browning, which is optional. Burnt sugar browning is exactly what it sounds like in the name. It's burnt brown sugar. It's going to give us color for this recipe. We're using it in a small amount. So if you don't have it and can't find it, it's perfectly okay to skip it for this recipe. They won't exactly be dark brown, but they'll still be delicious. Two teaspoons of vanilla extract, 
an additional teaspoon of white rum, an additional tablespoon of port wine, three and a half cups of all-purpose flour, one teaspoon of baking soda, a half a teaspoon of kosher salt, and for warming spices, one and a half teaspoons of ground cinnamon, one teaspoon of freshly ground nutmeg. If you'd like to add a little bit of crunch to your cookie, feel free to add three quarters of a cup of chopped walnuts to your ingredient list. Into our food processor, we're gonna put a half a cup of black raisins, a half a cup of currants, and half a cup of the dried pitted prunes. Remember that we're reserving a half a cup of the black raisins to put in the mixture whole so we get some nice little chewy bites in the cookie. Into my pot with a lid, I'm going to measure out three quarters of a cup of the port wine. And I'm going to add to that the two tablespoons of white rum. This smell of the rum and the wine mixed together is just an unlocked memory for me all the time. I know this smell from I was a little girl, opening up the container of soaking fruit, leading up to Christmas while we were getting ready to bake as a family. It's fun that even in such small supply, it triggers that memory for me. But. I mixed it together in the pot, I just gave it a little swirl. I only did that so I can add a tablespoon or two of that mixture to my food processor just to give it a little bit of lubrication so that I don't completely burn out my mini food processor's motor. This is also why I recommend that if you want to, using a cutting board and a knife is a perfectly fine way to do it. We're just gonna give it a little blitz and make sure that it all just sort of breaks down into small little pieces about the size of the dried currants as they are now. Okay, this looks great. So everything is pretty much blitzed down into small chunks. We mostly want that so that it gets to spread out in the cookie dough and you get a little bit everywhere. Most importantly, you wanna make sure that the prunes are not in huge chunks anymore. The raisins are kind of in half, in quarters, and the currants sort of blend in, disappear. All of that goes into our waiting pot with the wine and the rum. And it sort of instantly turns that from a very clear, like cranberry juice color into a very murky, dark brown. And it smells amazing. I am turning it on all the way up. We're gonna bring that up to a boil. It shouldn't really take us that long. The liquid level is, is almost level with the fruit. And that's okay, we're not gonna panic. We're gonna be really careful not to burn or scorch this. We're gonna turn it down as soon as it comes up to a boil and just let it hang out for about 10 minutes. Once we can hear it at a boil and those bubbles are coming up large and fast and breaking, we're gonna turn that 
all the way down. Give it another quick stir. Check in on those bubbles. And they're coming up really slow and lazy-like, which is exactly what we want. So now the cover goes onto the pot and I'm gonna set my timer for 10 minutes. I am going to use this time to clear my countertops again, rinse out my food processor, and I'll see you back here in 10 minutes when that timer goes off. Hello, and welcome back to my very loud timer. Checking in on our pot on the stove. Give it a quick stir and what we're gonna look for is how much liquid is left at the bottom of the pot each time the spoon swirls around in there. And there is pretty much no liquid left in there. Every time I move the spoon across the bottom of the pot, uh, it's nice and thick and syrupy. Uh, there's no liquid left. If you're seeing a little bit of liquid, and I do mean a little bit of liquid, or that gap is closing in pretty quickly, don't worry, it's going to continue to absorb the wine and rum as it sits and it cools down. It's gonna turn into more of a thick paste mixture. Move everything into a small bowl. Make sure you scrape everything out of the bowl. This stuff is the good stuff, leave nothing behind. Resist the urge to lick your spoon or spatula. If you do, I won't tell anybody our secret. And that goes right into the fridge. It's gonna cool completely before we touch it again. And now we can start working on the cookie dough. First thing we wanna do is get the butter melted uh, so it can cool a little while we move on to the dry mixture. You can do this in the same pot that your fruit mixture just came out of. Make sure it's clean and there's no sticky stuff in there. Make sure it's dry and you can set that butter on the stove over a low heat, which is what I'm going to do. You can, if you'd like, put the butter in a microwave safe bowl and do 30 second intervals. Once your 30 seconds ends, open up the door and grab the bowl, move it around a little bit so that there's an even melt on your butter and we're not risking burning it. Put it back for another 30 seconds if, if it needs it and repeat that process. What we're doing right now is just gently melting the butter. We, we don't wanna brown it. Brown butter is great for a lot of reasons, but for this recipe, we just wanna get it nice and melty and we wanna preserve all of the fats in the butter and we don't wanna lose them to the browning process. Once your butter is gently melted, like we can't hear any sputtering that's happening, we just smell amazing buttery goodness. At this point, heat's off and we're going to drizzle that butter into our largest mixing bowl and then set it aside to let it cool. It doesn't have to cool completely, it doesn't need to solidify. We're just going to move on to creating our dry mixture and come back to the butter once it's cooled slightly. For the dry mixture, we need three and a half 
cups of flour. The best way to measure flour when you're baking is to use a spoon scoop from a large flour container into your cup and then level it. That ensures that you're not overpacking the flour when you dunk your measuring cup into your flour container, you're, you're packing the flour in. That will actually run the risk of putting too much flour into your recipe and then you've got dry cookies instead of moist, chewy, delicious cookies. Um, do this every time, anytime you're, you're using flour. You can also use a kitchen scale if you have one. It is my best friend. So that's three. And we need a half. One teaspoon of baking soda. And one and a half teaspoons of kosher salt. And then we use our warming spices. Just a little cinnamon and some nutmeg. A half a teaspoon of kosher salt. One and a half teaspoons of cinnamon and one teaspoon of freshly grated nutmeg. I love grating fresh nutmeg. I always keep nutmeg on hand. I am using a microplane. There are nutmeg graters, or you can use the very, the side of your cheese grater. That's actually what that's for. Smells amazing, such a tiny amount, but it just smells so good. We're now going to just give that a good stir. Mix everybody together so that it blends really well with our wet dough. And gosh, it smells good. I love the smell of cinnamon. Moving back to our bowl of butter, which is now slightly cooled, we are going to mix in the sugar, both the half a cup of white sugar and one and a half cups of brown sugar. Now brown sugar is unlike flour in that packing it a little bit is okay. I don't want to make it too sweet here by jamming it down with my fist or anything. Just make sure that it's filling your cup and a half nice and evenly and add that right in to your butter bowl. Grabbing my hand mixer, I'm just going to bring all these ingredients together. The sugar and butter together are just lightly combined. Once we add the eggs, one at a time, that's when we're gonna really be able to see it turned fluffy and creamy. So with the one egg added, it has changed in color. It's very light. Um, it's getting much lighter. And the granules of the sugar are really dissipating, which is what we wanna see. We wanna make a smooth mixture here. So one more egg. And that is beautifully mixed. It has gone from a nice dark brown to a very pale light color, almost back to buttery. 
and the sugar is really well blended together, that's exactly what we want to see. We're going to add in our aromatics and flavoring now, which starts with two teaspoons of vanilla. The additional teaspoon of white rum, a tablespoon, the additional tablespoon of port wine, and our namesake ingredient, the burnt sugar browning. I'm going to stir this together by hand while I tell you about burnt sugar browning if you're unfamiliar. It is exactly what its name says it is. It is burnt sugar. You can start with white sugar or brown sugar on your stove over a fire if you wanted to in large batches. It's like making a roux. We use this in sweet and savory applications. It is common in oxtail. It is common in stewed chicken. I still make quite a number of these each year with my family and we share them with family and friends and make sure that they're on our dessert table for Christmas and New Year's and much longer. Okay, so we've stirred plenty. It is a beautiful, rich, chocolatey color. If you weren't able to find the browning, no worries. You have a beautifully scented mixture in front of you and now we can move on back to our dry mixture. We're going to add it in three portions to our wet mixture, just so we don't overwhelm it and also don't overbeat it, just getting it together. So you can just grab your one cup measuring cup, dunk it in your dry mixture bowl, and add it to your batter and mix in slowly. So if you have a stand mixer here, I am still jealous, but this is a great time to just attach your paddle mixer and go ahead and work this in nice and slowly. I'm going to do as much as I can with my hand mixer. It's only on level one right now. I'm always amazed by how great the nutmeg and the cinnamon is at just wafting up into your nose with such a little addition <laughs> to as much flour and sugar, but it's just such a warm, inviting smell and I'm like already totally ready to eat cookies. Now that we've incorporated all of our flour and all of the fruit mixture into the dough, I am just going to use my spatula and make sure that there's no big pockets of flour left. If there's little spots and speckles, that's okay. It's going to hydrate while it rests in the fridge for two hours. So let's cover this up and get it into the fridge where it can rest. And while you clean up, this is the moment of truth where you reveal yourself as a spoon licker or not a spoon licker. So I will see you back here in about three hours. I'm gonna go to the grocery store so I can make myself some dinner. Welcome back to Play Me a Recipe. I'm Jillian Atkinson and we are just about to bake our black cake cookies. 
we took a three hour break to rest the cookies in the dough. Maybe you rested as well. Maybe you cleaned the house. Maybe you, like me, had a really nice pasta dinner. But hopefully now we're ready for sweets. We're ready for dessert. So grab your sheet pans, your cookie sheets, some parchment paper, and a cooling rack, and preheat your oven to 325 degrees. You can use one cookie sheet for this recipe, absolutely, if that's what you have. I like to use two because while one is in the oven baking, I can prep the other rack. And when the first batch finishes, it has time to cool before I move those cookies to a cookie sheet. And then I have time, importantly, to let my cookie sheet cool down. I don't like to put the cold dough onto a warm or hot cookie sheet, so I alternate one cookie sheet in the oven, one cookie sheet out of the oven, and also it keeps me moving. I get cookies faster, so I like that. Let's grab our dough from the refrigerator and we can start to turn these into cookies. If you have a cookie scoop, you can feel free to use that. Make sure you know what size it is. We're gonna make these cookies about three tablespoons each. That's not really our standard cookie dough size, so you might have to do two scoops per cookie. Without a cookie dough scoop, you can use your eyes, and we're going for about the size of a golf ball, a little larger than a golf ball. The dough is pretty sticky, that's okay. That's why I like to work with it cold. I tend to, especially if you're going to use one cookie sheet for this whole batch, feel free to put the dough back in the oven in the amount of time it takes to bake. It's uh, 14 to 16 minutes, you'll gauge that based on your oven and while you watch the first batch cook off. These are going to spread, they're nice and buttery. So we're gonna give them a decent amount of room on the cookie sheet, about three inches apart, and nice and big and juicy. That's the oven preheated and ready for me. I'm going to put my last cookie on the parchment paper. So let's get this first tray into the oven. I'm going to set my timer because I'm being responsible here. I've set for 16 minutes because I know these cookies and I know my oven and that's kind of where I like them the most. You can start your first batch at 14 or 15 and just make sure you're looking for a puffy top and gently cracked, but these are pretty gooey, soft cookies. And they should just be held together by little bits of crispy edges. So while that's in the oven, I am going to return my cookie dough to the fridge and just about five minutes before the batch is done, I will take it out and start the second sheet of dough. With the oven running, it's warm in my kitchen. The heat is on in New York this time of year and so it's toasty. I don't want the dough to melt and to disrupt the butter dynamic we have going on in the dough. So I'm just gonna keep it cold, and that's why I also like to keep my cookie sheets cold. Well, I'll be back in just about five minutes, and we'll do the second sheet and yank the first out of the oven. So with just two minutes left, I'm gonna start on my second sheet of cookie dough. Taking my cookie dough out of the fridge. It smells amazing in here, 
uh, I can tell that those cookies are almost done and let's plop these new cookies down onto a fresh sheet and fresh parchment so that we're all caught up by the time that buzzer goes off. Okay, down to my last cookie on the new sheet and it looks like I'm just in time. I hope you are too. Okay. We made it through batch one. Let's see. Wow. These look so good. So the cookie dough is actually a little bit lighter now that it's baked. I see huge chunks of fruit, nice whole raisins in there. They're beautifully puffy. They're gently aerated. You can see little bubbles and pockets in the cookie. They're nice and craggly. And I desperately want to touch one, but I shouldn't. So second batch in the oven while we wait for the first batch to cool. You want to give each batch three to four minutes to cool before moving them, especially if you are going to save your parchment and use the same sheet of parchment for a new fresh batch of dough. This is the worst part. I'm sure you agree with me, especially now because you can smell them yourself. They are warm and toasty and all of those beautiful sugars and the wine and the rum, the cinnamon, it's all just permeating the room. Now that a few minutes have gone by, I'm using a fork to help me slide these to my cooling rack. They look beautiful and Still, I am overwhelmed by the desire to sink my teeth into one, but instead of burning the roof of my mouth, I'm going to continue to exert a tremendous amount of patience. I think this is actually the first year that Santa Claus is going to get Jamaican black cake cookies on Christmas Eve with a glass of milk. I'm pretty sure he's going to be thrilled because I know I am. I might be rushing these just a little bit, but I'm going to take a bite of these cookies. The backs are perfect, they're not crunchy. I mean, it's still a little soft because I'm being impatient. But my goodness, I love them. There's just a little edge of crunch. They're chewy, they're soft. The raisins are nice and wine-soaked. They're moist in the middle. I'm happy. Santa Claus will be happy. I hope you're happy too. If today you only listened along to get inspired and are now wondering where do I get this recipe? How do I eat these cookies? Don't forget that it is linked in the show notes and the recipe is easy to find on food52.com. If you'd like to find me, I'm easy to find on Instagram at Jillian A. Creative. Thank you so much for letting me play you a recipe today. I am going to go eat one too many cookies, but I'm not going to regret it.